You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are connected to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. Uh, Our question today is, how should Christians think about the book of Revelation? So this is, interestingly, the book that we get the most questions about from our pastoral leadership team in the sense of people asking, why don't we teach more about Revelation or have a Bible study about this particular book? It's one that seems to be of great interest to Christians. So why is that? What makes us so fascinated with it? And then how should we as Christians think about the book of Revelation? We want to allow all of God's word to speak into our lives. So how do we do that with Revelation? Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy, Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. And I've got the rest of our team with me today, Joe Coffey, Zach Wyrock, and Stacey DiNardo. And our topic today is how should Christians think about and read the book of Revelation? So interestingly, this is a book that we get a lot of requests about. Why don't we teach it more? Why don't we spend more time in it? Why don't we have a Bible study or a sermon series where we walk through the book of Revelation? And if you've read through it, it's uh, got a lot of interesting material, so I guess I can understand why why people want to know more. Uh, but you also, if you've been at our church for a while, when we haven't had a sermon series on Revelation, uh, we haven't spent a lot of time. So uh, questions we want, want to think through is, why are we so interested in the book of Revelation? Uh, what is it about that particular book that draws our attention? And then as Christians, as we read, because you obviously we want to Uh, allow all of God's Word to speak into our lives. So how should we think about the book of Revelation and allow what He has to say through it to speak into our lives? That's where we're going today. Yep. Oh, I was just going to jump in real quick that I'm sitting here at a table with a lot of different seminary degrees surrounding me, of which I do not hold yet, maybe one day. So I feel like I get to be more of an audience member on this. And on top of that, um, just thinking about when I get to the book of Revelation, how There are oftentimes sections that I'm going, I just know I'm not going to understand this. So how do I read it? Um, And I'm excited to learn from you all today. Let me me go ahead and jump in before you do, Zach, and just lay kind of a basic foundation. The reason that Revelation is is such a a different book is that it's written in a different kind of language, right? It it would be called apocalyptic language, uh, which means it's very, very symbolic. Uh, There's a lot of uh, metaphorical language in there. It's used... Uh, apocalyptic language is used in Revelation, uh, parts of Ezekiel, parts of Daniel. So it, it makes it uh, uh, a mystery to try to figure out. But the other thing that I want to say is that there are different, there's a, a set of rules that you're to adhere to whenever you read the Bible. They're called the rules of hermeneutics. So that you can't make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. And they so they created these rules uh, to try to help uh, standardized the way the Bible should be read. And one of the things uh, about the Bible is that you have to read it uh, with the original audience in mind, for one thing, and you have to keep things in context. So those are, I just wanted to lay that foundation before we get to uh, your, some of your questions, Jimmy, which are why, why are we so fascinated with the book of Revelation? Why do people want us to teach it all the time? And I should say that I, I, I feel like, because uh, I'm involved in the laying out the preaching calendar for the year. And, um, you know, this is, we're recording this podcast in December of 2022. I don't know when it'll be released, but in the August of 2023, we actually will spend four weeks in Revelation. We we keep track of what books we've been in, and we have a goal of at least every decade teaching from every book yeah. of the Bible. So 
Um, you know, that factors in when we're deciding what are we going to preach on this? What do we, we look at books of the Bible that we haven't gotten to. So, you know, I would just say to someone, why don't you teach on that? I would just say, well, that's a space and time thing. Like we just, we just finished a series on James. If someone showed up next year and went to our church for five years, they might not hear a sermon series on James. And they might say, what are you going to teach on James? And what we did before you got here. Like it's a, it takes a long time to cover a lot of ground and, and don't assume because the time you've been here, we haven't gotten to something that that means we won't get to it or, or it isn't on our radar. We are, we are trying to teach from all parts of the Bible. So, uh, in terms of why we're fascinated with revelation, you know, I, I think, uh, there are two reasons for that. I mean, uh, one is, uh, well, maybe three reasons. One is it's a, it seems to be a lot about the future. And so we're all fascinated by that, right? What happens to me when I die? What happens to the world? What's God's plan for the end? So that's interesting. I think, too, because of the symbolism, there's a lot of room for what I'll call creative interpretation, which I think is fun for a certain kind of person, right, to say, well, what do I think that means? Or what do I think that's a reference to? And there are theological schools of thought out there that that's what you're supposed to do with the book of Revelation. You're supposed to, you know, uh, wonder and dream and pontificate about what you think that that metaphor is about. And then third, I think it, it ties into this kind of um, spiritual idea that's always been around since Christianity has been around. It, it you know, would have been called Gnosticism in the first century. I think Roman Catholicism picks up on this some, that we need special interpreters to help us understand the things of God. There's something about us that, that craves that. You know, Gnosticism was the idea that there were these people who had this special knowledge of God, and only they had it. And then, you know, in, in Roman Catholicism ties into this a little bit with the priesthood and the, the Vatican, and they have a special and unique relationship. It's the way some of us think is that we need—and and Revelation creates kind of a whole class of pastor— writer, podcaster, who is the gatekeeper of knowledge, who interprets for us what the metaphors mean and what the numbers mean and what the signs mean. And we're just kind of always uh, throughout church history have been craving uh, that, and it and it appeals to a certain person out there who thinks, well, I can't possibly understand the Bible, but this guy who has all these charts and graphs behind him and seems so sure about what every little metaphor and revelation means does, and that's appealing to me. I, th- I think those are th- some of the reasons why the book of Revelation is is so appealing to us. So how do you think we ought to read it? Well, I'll tell you that, well, before I have you do that, part of it uh, with the book of Revelation, when you think about the people that it was written to, they were under intense persecution. Yeah. John was writing from an island that he had been exiled to after mm-hmm. he they had tried to kill him in different ways, and he, he was a hard person to kill. Uh, and it seems like from beginning to end, uh, Revelation, the book of Revelation, is about a reckoning, mm. right? That judgment is coming, uh, that judgment comes in a righteous way by a righteous judge, uh, which is uh, uh, appealing. It's particularly appealing when you are uh, suffering in, in, an, in an unjust way and you think that justice will never come. Uh, so they, this is a hope that was given to them that uh, that someday God will make all things right, and then someday uh, this story, the entire story of human history ends, and it ends well for those who are a part of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think some of it comes down to how you understand the Bible. What is the purpose of the Bible? Is God hiding in the Bible, or does he is he making himself known and making himself 
uh, clear, and I, I subscribe to the second yeah. one, that God wants to be known, that that he wants the Bible to be understood. That was the whole thing about the Protestant Reformation, is the Reformers believed the Bible should be translated into English and German and, and Swiss, and because they were saying the regular person can understand yeah. the Bible, that's what it's meant right. for. It's not just for the educated, not just for the priest. This is a metaphor that I'll use for the book of Revelation. I hope it's it's helpful. It was helpful to to me. I, I'm trying to think if, if I can translate it well over a podcast, but I want you to imagine you're looking through a looking glass of some sort, a, a, a telescope or whatever, and, and uh, the image that you see in through the glass is blurry, okay? Now, there are two possibilities. Uh, one is that the looking glass itself is dirty or damaged, so that the blurriness is in the device. The thing you're looking at, whatever, you're looking at a planet or a star, is clear, but you can't see it clearly because your looking glass is blurry. The other possibility is the thing you're looking at is blurry. You're looking yeah. at something that it, it's its essence is that it's blurry. The only way to know would be to turn the telescope or, or turn the looking glass and look at something else. So if you brought it down to ground level and you looked at a tree – and you couldn't see the tree. It was still blurry. You'd start to say, okay, the problem is no, the looking is. glass. Because yeah. I, if I step back from that looking glass and look at the tree, I can see that's a tree. It's not blurry. But if you brought the looking glass down and you could see the, chi- the tree clearly, same device, but you see that's a tree, that's the tree, then you would start to realize that the blurriness is actually in the object you were looking at. Does, does, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Here's how that applies to the book of Revelation. Actually, the whole of the book of Revelation is not hard to understand. There are sections of it right, that are right. incredibly clear. You think about the letter to the seven churches, yeah. right? You don't need to be a scholar to understand that. Revelation 4 and 5, the, the glimpse into the throne room of God and, and, and the scroll in God's hand and the people from every tribe and every tongue. Revelation 20 yeah, and 21, 21 right? right? The, the new heavens and the new earth, and I will be their God, and I'll wipe away every tear from their eye. I'm making all things new, right? Very clear. So, so here's what we know. The book of Revelation is not attempting to confuse us. That is not its goal, or it wouldn't have any clear sections, right? So I think what happens is that we need to understand that the book of Revelation is blurry when the author wants it to be, hmm. and it is clear when he wants it to be, and that is, that is um, meaningful for how we understand the book. So that when it goes, first five chapters, pretty clear. The I mean, yeah. first three chapters, super clear. Chapter four and five, a little more metaphor, but still pretty clear. And then we go through chapters six through 19, and it's blurry. And then you get to 20 and 21, and it's clear again. And and, and I think the, the danger is that we do one of two things. Either we go, it's all blurry, which right, is silly right. because some of the sections are not. Or we say, it's the blurriness is me. Right. It's all clear. I, I just don't understand it, it. I need I to need go to find someone right. who will explain it to me. And you can always find somebody yeah. who says, oh, no, <laughs> no it's all yeah, clear. It's, and it's I the Soviet it Union. Whoops. Right, it's, right, yeah, it's right. Iraq. <laughs> Whoops. It's, yeah, you can, yeah, the church is full of that. But, but, or you say, hey, since I believe this book was written by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit does not have communication problems, he can be clear when he wants to be. Right, if he has chosen to to obscure some of what he's saying in metaphor and in symbolism, perhaps that's meaningful. That, that I'm not a t- that that the goal is not for me to solve that. Right. Although as though it's a riddle that the Holy Spirit says, well, only the really committed Bible scholar Christians are going to get this right. But rather that he is intentionally being opaque. 
and intentionally being clear Mm -hmm. based on his sovereign purpose. Well, then that begs the question, well, why would he be blurry, right? And I think Job said it really well, that the that the real meaning of a large chunk of the book of Revelation is between now and the end of the world, a lot of crazy stuff's going to happen, but God is still in charge, and his plans cannot be thwarted, and no matter what, he will bring about his end. I just, it feels like a lot of Christians spend a lot of time either trying to clean the, the telescope or leaning to the person next to them and going, can you see that, and can you tell me what it says? Instead of saying, actually, I can see a lot of the book clearly. Right. So how does that inform how I think about the parts that I can't see clearly? I don't know. Does that, is that helpful? Yeah, I mean, that was something that, uh, you know, was really formational for me in my, my first seminary class, because my first seminary class covered end times. And so, oh, wow. (laughs) What a doozy of a start. You you could take systematic theology in whatever order you wanted. And so that was the one that was most readily. Why not start with the end? Yeah. Uh, And so, you know, that was one of the things that the, you know, I grew up in a background that has a very, very specific interpretation of how uh, things will end. It was, you know, pre-tribulation. I'm not going to even get all the terminology, but, uh, you know, my professor, I remember he's like, okay, we're going to talk about eschatology. And one of the first things that he said was, the biggest thing you need to understand about wait, wait eschatology is study of the last study studying and, end times. Yeah, studying right? the end times. But one of the, the first things he said was the biggest thing you need to understand is what we know God's word says is that Jesus is coming, coming back. back. Yep. The rest are details. Yeah, we also know that, that Jesus said no one knows the day yeah. and the yeah. time right. except for God. And yet God bless us if there aren't hundreds of books on Amazon right now yep. about yep. people going, oh, I do exactly. know the day and time. Yeah. And that's one of those things where actually we know clearly no one does. Yeah. And that's Jesus that's Jesus saying that. And so he's he's not saying no, you know, it's not for for it's even not me. Wink, wink. It's not yeah. even for me to know, except for it is for you, Bible scholar, yeah. <laughs> nerd guys out there with your charts and graphs to know. I mean that that, that you could have a bestseller though for one year. Like well, yeah. I still remember yeah. this is way, way Late before you Planet guys. Earth. Well, there was that, one yeah. there there was a book out there it came out that said eighty four reasons why Jesus was gonna come back oh. in nineteen eighty four. And that was a top seller yeah. until 1985. and that looks foolish now. Right. Right. And, but but present day attempts to do that are going to look just as foolish right. 25 years from now. I mean, that, that and, and, and again, that's the thing, is part of believing that the Bible is inspired by God is saying when it's not clear, that's not by accident. And yeah. I just think, you know, you read passages in the book of Revelation about, you know, I, I, I heard something like a horde of locusts, and people now say, oh, that's, that's, Apache, that's Apache helicopters. And it's like, yeah, unless you're reading this in the 17th century, then it's locusts. something entirely different, Probably right? Locusts. I mean, it, it's just we interpret it based on our own cultural yeah, moment, yeah. who the players are, who the bad guys are, who the—and it's funny how I grew up in a— you know, a similar conservative Baptist background. And, and you know, as we try to guess who the bad guys in the book of Revelation were, they were always people who disagreed with us politically. <laughs> they were never Americans. They were always from countries that were enemies to America, right? And we were doing what people have always done, starting with ourselves at the center and interpreting out the information. And, and I just think it's, I mean, I remember being in a class once where they said the letters of your name equal certain numeric values. And if the numbers, if the letters and, and the numbers they represented equaled out to 666, you are the Antichrist. And I remember trying to do it in class thinking, please don't let me be the Antichrist Did because Zachary, Zachary Zach- Wyrock okay. has a lot of na- letters in it. And I thought, well, if anybody's <laughs> going to get close, it's going to be me. And that's silly. Like that, yeah. that is silly. And, and, and not, I mean, we spent Sunday school class doing that and that was a waste of time. That was not, I did not walk out of that class understanding the Bible anymore 
than I did uh, already. And and I'm not going to tell you what my name number equaled out to. It's not 666, Uh, is it? Well, I'll never say. (laughs) (laughs) Just watch and see. Do you use your middle name? Did you ever read the Left Behind series? Did anybody hear? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Totally. Talk about trying to interpret the... Kirk Cameron in the movie, right? Oh, yeah. Wasn't he the Nicolas Cage did a version too. Oh, my goodness. There was another version. That's what I need to... Yeah, I, and I just think that okay. preoccupation with trying to figure things out, again, the, the the big objection to that is if God wanted you to know, he would, he would have been clear, right. right? I mean, the Bible is overwhelmingly clear. Yeah. So when it's not, when it's figurative, perhaps maybe that's intentional. And that, you know, that's even played itself out in the life of our church. So for example, we just passed a constitutional update where in the part of our doctrinal yeah. statement on the end times... We moved from a very specific statement to one that's a little bit more general. I think, and you know, the basically says Jesus is coming. Yeah, yeah. the idea behind that is let's be clear about what's clear, and let's um, be blurry about what's blurry. And I think that you know that's really important. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.